Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marina Theater. It is Friday evening. Please take your seats. The show will begin shortly. Okay, all right. Uh, give me some room, boys. Give me some room. This opening's going to be a little different. <coughs> Brace yourselves. This may seem shocking. All right, let me get a little bit of a head start spinning. Ooh, ooh, here we go, here we go. Oh my God, look at that DJ. Gertie's spinning around. Spin! Power Rangers! I'm morphing! Whoa! I'm morphing, my boobs are getting bigger. Spin again! Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy, Gertie. Whoa, whoa. Easy there, easy now. Whoa. Are you okay, Gertie? I think I hurt myself. I think oh, dear. I hurt myself. Uh, uh, anyways, ever onward. No, that's the spirit, Gertie. All right, the subject tonight is by listener request. Thanks for writing, Thomas M. Glad you're enjoying the show. <laughs> Ooh, boy, I haven't twirled like that since my third wedding. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> All right, take a group of inner city teenagers with street smarts and martial arts skills. Give them secret identities as members of an elite force against evil. This one's got giant robots, skyscraper tall monsters, and a villainous witch hiding out on the moon. Dust off those power coins, kitties. It's time for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of the golden oldies? And a smidgen of streaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host DJ and Toppy. Good evening. Good evening. Hi, Mr. Smelly. How are you tonight? I'm good. I, I'm wiping my brow. That 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 was some performance from uh, our uh, concession stands uh, helper, Gertie. Thank you, Gertie. Get uh, yeah, I, I need a break. I'll catch you later. There, there should be some insure on the bar there, ma'am. Insure? Yeah. Oh, DJ. Well, she... <laughs> Probably likes it. <laughs> so we are here at the Marionette Theater, and if you, in case you missed it last time, our our uh, senior showgirl there, Gertie, helped us up the stairs. She got the okay from the big boss because uh, that was our thirteenth show. So we are here for number fourteen, and we're sitting here in the comfy seats. Toppy, uh, how's that seat treating you? Good. No, they're dusty. They still haven't vacuumed these things off, but I love the balcony. The view from here is great. I am just glad that they cleaned up the empties and the butts. Yeah. It looked like uh, one of us might have had a few nooners here, but I won't name names. Um, (laughs) So we are here tonight brought together by a great love of film and television trivia. Matinee Minutia is not your ordinary movie or TV podcast. No siree. 
We're here to tell you what went on behind the scenes, who made this thing, and how did they all come together. So, strap yourself in, folks, and we're going to tell you all about it. And Before we do that... Yes, sir. Um, let's, we have uh, a guest, which is somewhat unusual, and this is a first. This is a special guest, and I think you know him rather well, DJ. Uh, it's none other than your husband, Billy. We do, yeah. So, uh, everyone, please give a round of applause to the the man that shares my mortgage. <gasps> hey, honey. Hello. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yes. for those of you who are unawares, we've brought our um hubby billy in as uh as sort of a, a speaker of sorts on the subject he is the uh the canned ounce of youth in this household so we will uh, refer to his better judgment when it comes to matters of authority on this so uh on uh, yeah on our subject tonight uh, the Power Rangers. Uh, I think maybe you and I can confess, DJ, <laughs> that perhaps we we are not uh, we 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 were not part of the uh, the whole thing back in the day. Uh, and as for me, I, I mean, I'm, this was a totally new experience. A new experience for me. Let me tell you, I'm really anxious to hear what DJ. Has, I mean, what Billy has to say about. It. And uh, this this is going to be good. And uh, before we continue, we set the stage. This is where we put things into perspective. And this is all about the world in that time and place. One moment. And um, now this show has had several incarnations, but I guess we're going to start. We're just going to say 1993. That's the setting of our little stage tonight, because that was when the show debuted in the U.S. of A. Yes, sir. So in the 1993, the world in 1993, 60 seconds or so, Bill Clinton is sworn in as the 42nd U.S. president. I did not have sex with... Oh, I'm <laughs> Was that Colonel Sanders? Um, I don't know. I was supposed to. Famed tennis pro Arthur Ashe dies from AIDS-related complications. The World Trade Center is bombed by a van parked below the North Tower. So this is this is more than a decade before the tragic 9/11 incident. Uh, at that time, six died and a thousand were injured. Waco, Texas had a 51-day standoff with the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau. It occurred in relation to the Branch Davidian cult. There was a compound there with lots of folks following a man. Uh, Rodney King testified against police violence in Los Angeles. And Intel, the company that makes the computer processor chips, they shipped their first Pentium PC processor. And a few more things. Here in 93, we had Microsoft released Windows NT 3.11. It was the... Uh, uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, it I was... think I'm still using it. Oh. <laughs> it was the first network-based operating system. So before then, things were just a hodgepodge, a daisy chain. 
And then an executive order was signed in 1993 requiring the U.S. Air Force to allow women to fly warplanes. So before then, women were not allowed to be pilots during wartime. And then, of course, rounding out 1993, NASA loses contact with the Mars Observer probe. So it was the first disappointment before some exciting success that would come later. No. Uh, yes. And by the way, uh, isn't it interesting that today, 2019, 2018, we recently heard from some of those women who joined the Air Force and flew planes and, well, guess what? Many of them, many of them were sexually assaulted. And isn't that nice? Any? Oh, why did I even bring that up? I'm sorry. Never. <laughs> well, you know, times are changing, and uh, sometimes we got to look back to look forward. But exactly uh, in '93, uh, and this is a little further back than our last show, which was in 2012, I think. Uh, it has been a little bit more time since '93, so there were a few folks that joined us in that time that uh, have accomplished a few things. We have Ariana Grande, or Grande. She's a pop musician, and some say that in her early days, she sounded quite a bit like a young Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Mm, there's... And I, w- I want to hear you pronounce this next name. Okay, well, it's Lucas Crookshank. Oh. And uh, some of you would know Lucas from a web series that was done where he played a character called Fred, and he was just a, a young boy in that show, uh, just kind of a Saturday Night Live type of character. Fred. And, and uh, he has had um, a, a bit of success on YouTube. He and his little brother have a show on there on his own channel. Um, DJ, was this the guy that talked in a high, squeaky voice? Yes. In fact, he has since uh, come out of the closet after his uh more professional career and he's he looks back on his early days of acting and he admits that he maybe sort of had a crush on the professional wrestler that made a guest appearance on his show (laughs) ah yes so that's kind of fun a youtube personality who i guess you could say made it big Mm-hmm. And then there are a couple other births in 93. We have an Irish-born singer who is a member of the boy band One Direction, Mr. Niall Horan. And then lastly, we have the gal that sang all about that bass. And it was Miss Megan Trainer. She joined us in 1993. Hmm. Very good, DJ. You know, you... Um, there's an interesting thing about some of these TV shows that on air and kind of ending as this time went on. And the first one in there is 1993 Space Rangers, which sort of sounds like the show we're talking about tonight, but it's got nothing to do with it, does it? No, I just kind of, I, um, whenever we talk about a TV show, I like to help you put your mind into the space of when that show came out. Sometimes, TV shows are made as a continuation of a thought, trying to capture an audience. One show did good, maybe this one didn't do good. Well, on the heels of Power Rangers and just the year before, CBS had a space-themed TV show, and it was called Space Rangers. Do you you know if it was live action? 
It was. In fact, there may have been some puppetry, and uh, it only lasted, I want to say, 13 episodes, and it had a um, an actress, I'm trying to remember her name now, I'm looking that up quick, uh, her first name was Linda, and... Uh, Linda Carter. No. <laughs> this This lady was a little person. And, or is a little person. She's still with us, I should say. And, and uh, her name just escapes me, but I am bringing that up as quick as I can here. Her name is Linda Hunt. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Linda I, Hunt oh. was in this. And uh, c- celebrity brother Clint Howard was in Space Rangers as well. Huh. Ron Howard's brother that was in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, among uh, a, a character actor who's been uh, tons of stuff. Oh, yes. And so aside from Space Rangers in 93, around that time, some of the other things that were on TV, uh, especially in the realm of children's shows, because Sp- uh, Power Rangers was aimed at young adults uh, about that time, Batman the Animated Series yeah, uh, switched now That from, was a big deal. Yeah, it switched from being a Saturday show back to being a daytime show, which I guess would be good if you have kiddos at home still, or maybe you know something for them to watch when they get home from school. And, yes. And uh, the other show that was sort of in competition with Power Rangers came on in just the hour before for Power Rangers on CBS, the former home of Space Rangers. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that spawned wow. many years of cartoons and many spin-off movies. In fact, I knew a young lady who was of a more petite frame and she had to buy children's shoes because her feet were small. And I remember a young woman in her 20s who had... Ninja Turtle tennis shoes. <laughs> yes. Uh, a brief comment about Ninja Turtles. This was a very unusual thing because it all started in a comic book that was black and white, no color. It was an independent production by a couple of Joes out of nowhere who were delving into self-publishing their own comic book somehow. Don't ask me how. Somehow, Teenage Ninja Turtle caught on and became a successful franchise. And these two Joes are now very rich. Mm-hmm. So Power Rangers came into uh, our world here in the U.S. And it was originally a Japanese uh, oriented animated program. Now, uh, Power Rangers was basically the American version of a Japanese original, which in Japan was called Super Sentai. And it was basically over a period of years loosely translated into the American versions that we've been seeing over the years. Now, um, here is where I uh, I bring aboard the talent, if you will. Honey, are you there, sir? Oh, no. He went down a bathroom break. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
Let me see oh, if I can get back into our conversation here. Either that or he's popping some popcorn. Oh, no, I'm here. I just had the mute button on. Oh, okay. Billy, I've done that a hundred times, Billy. Don't be embarrassed. I, I said something absolutely amazing, but unfortunately, you didn't get to hear it. Damn it. Was it worth repeating? Could you repeat it? <laughs> It was just so amazing. I don't think I can. (laughs) (laughs) So I have it on good authority, according to Hubby, at least, that this uh, program, Power Rangers, which which has been around now about for about 15 different seasons, and each uh, season has had a different take on what was an established show that's run for ages in Japan, Super Sentai. Now, Honey, um, clue the listeners in. Can you share some of your knowledge about this marvelous phenomenon? Well, I'm not an expert at it, but I am absolutely fascinated by it. It started in 1975 and ran until 1977. Um, It started out as the Super Sentai series... Um, I'm not even sure how to pronounce what it was originally right. called. And Billy, but it was extremely saying, popular over there. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Billy, you're saying that in, ni- in the 70s, when it started, we're talking about Japan. Correct. It was about a young group of kids who become superheroes over there. I don't believe the big giant robot thing started until after it came back from hiatus in 1978, I believe. And Toppy, you would enjoy this. Guess what show they created in between the first series and the second series in 1978? Okay, 1978. A Spider-Man series in Japan yes. with giant Japanese robots. All right. Now, this is about the schlockiest, weirdest thing ever. Somehow, they got the rights to Spider-Man. And Marvel, apparently, gladly gave it over to him because they knew this would make Spider-Man popular in Japan. And it's this weird mixture of the live-action Spider-Man TV show from the U.S. of A. that was very short-lived and weird Japanese giant monster things. (laughs) Now, I do want to pause this for only a brief moment, and uh, I just want to to mention here, folks, uh, Power Rangers was a special request from one of our listeners, just as Gertie may have hinted in the beginning. So, while uh, Mr. Smelly and I were not part of the heyday of this phenomenon, we're here to talk about the marvel that is what we can imagine children's imaginations, children's, uh, you know, appreciation of all that is spectacular and colorful. And watching the show, I wish I was a kid when it came out because I can't imagine the amount of toys that I might have gotten if I kept watching this. I mean, they changed it every couple of years, so someone's toy box was full. Yeah, um... Folks, this was a franchise that bled over into toys, into every place. Uh, uh, Video games, movies, 
TV, even the stage. Yes, indeed. There may have been a Power Rangers on ice. I'm not sure. But, Billy, we uh, broke into your discussion, and you left off with that, that this company also produced that zany Spider-Man story. And then, uh, what, was, uh, what else was going on? Well, after they did Spider-Man with the giant robots, they restarted the show using giant robots and it became the central theme with the shows going forward i mean this thing has run i think 43 years now That's and weird dj it's <laughs> it, it's absolutely amazing that every year or every season they take the basic premise and redo the entire thing yeah billy would you agree that that what started me be the giant robot thing in, in more modern times, the 90s, whatever, was Transformers, was that the whole... I mean, that's really what they were going for. Transformers was before Power Rangers. They were yes. going for something very much like... It, it, can we say... Is it possible? Can we say Power Rangers was a knockoff of Transformers? It, it's pretty much almost all the same thing. A lot of the companies that made... The Transformers was actually, I believe it's pronounced Toyi. They also made the Transformer toys. So it, it's the same company making the toys and different American companies producing different versions of them. The earliest Transformers were called Micronauts from the 70s. Get out. Yes, everything, this is what fascinates me. I'm not an expert on this. But the more you read, the more fascinating it is to see where everything came from and how one thing feeds into another. Well, that's I, why I love this franchise. No, that's amazing. I didn't know that because the Micronauts, I first became aware of in the 70s as a comic book that was obviously spun off from the toys, the Micronauts toys. But it was a very popular comic book from Marvel. They, the, Marvel got the license for the Micronauts. And ladies and gentlemen, you are just uh, bearing witness to the youthful energy that is just part of my household. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, uh, I am just amazed at times. Now, it's no secret that I grew up in more rural parts. I grew up in a one-horse town. I like to call it the haystack. And Hubby grew up in a bigger city, so he had more fun places to go. And I can't tell you the amount of times that he has told me about his adventures when his dad would take him as a little boy to all the stores that had the toys, and being in a bigger city, they would have toys that came from different places. Yes. Well, listen, uh, from the time I first met you guys, the layers that have peeled off Billy <laughs> have just kind of amazed me. <laughs> Anyways, please continue, Billy. So the more you dig, the more you look up the history of the show, the more you look up all of the fun little facts, it's absolutely amazing how they're taking a basic premise, creating a show, and then taking that show and recreating it on the other side of the globe for an entirely different type of audience. Mm-hmm. And rather smartly, so, too, uh, just to yes. interject, one of the smart ways they did that 
and actually made the show available to many different languages, well, their costumes had a full face mask. And that meant that you could dub in languages from any place. And that was a very clever thing to do because it made dubbing easy, um, at least for the action sequence, for sure. Um, but that was that was uh, that was very clever of them. Now, one of the things that we should point out is that there are some basic principles to the Power Rangers. Yes, it was a very popular, long-running show in Japan that they decided to translate for the American audience. But there are some basics to the story. As our showgirl alluded to in the beginning, these are a group of street smart kids who have learned their martial arts because if there's nothing that we didn't learn from the 80s for movies like Karate Kid is that there are other ways to solve a fight than with your fist. And these kids were learning that through the gym they went to, which had a juice bar, and it was in a fictional town called Angel Grove. And, uh, honey, do you remember what some of the basic rules were when you were invited to become a Power Ranger? You couldn't use your powers for self-gain, for evil, and there was a couple more. You couldn't give away your identity, so forth and so on. Your basic superhero rules, as it were. Right. right. Now, I thought it funny that while, uh, you know, they're not supposed to reveal their identities, the color of the uh, ranger that these people were, you had a red ranger, you had a blue ranger, eventually you had a green one. It's funny because uh, the outfits that they wore in their private lives before they went into the fray often reflected their uh, their robot, their mecha, I guess is what they called them in the, the configuration. So the Red Ranger often wore red. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to explain just a couple basic things. And then, DJ, you and I have to let Billy loose. And, and we all have so many things we want to say. <laughs> Billy's bursting. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the only little setup I want to say is that, yes, they're teenagers, they transform into these costumed, skin-tight costume guys. They're all about karate. And then they have the capability of somehow going even further from their human form into these giant robot things. That's the basic setup. And Billy, the stage is yours. <laughs> well, before I go off on a full tangent... I'd like to mention a fun little fact. Now, they had different casts between the American and the Japanese. Well, in the Japanese version of the show, when they ran this season, the, the Yellow Ranger was male. And in the American version, the Yellow Ranger was female. So if you notice, the Pink Ranger wears a skirt, and you can tell it's female. But when you look at the Yellow Ranger, it's obviously a dude in spandex. Ah. <laughs> the, the, the big tangent is that is what fascinates me with this is being in a bigger city, 
I had access to some of these shows before they became Power Rangers. I was able to watch some of them as they're American, before they became Americanized. Um, Hmm. One of the big things when I was a kid was Voltron, and I loved it. Yes, I remember that. I was able to get a hold of the version that was shown overseas. There was death. There was blood. There was stuff <laughs> that was not in the American version. Someone died. In particular, I mean, it's pretty much like the Power Rangers. You have a group of kids that fight evil with a giant robot. But there was one character called Sven who had gotten hurt in the American version, went away, and then came back. In the overseas version, Spen got basically murdered in cold blood and died, and it was his twin brother that came back. <laughs> now, with Power Rangers and Super Sentai, I was showing DJ, some of the Rangers actually died in the overseas version. In the American version, they were much kinder to the characters. Um... I know that some of the characters, because they only filmed one season of each type of one over in Japan, in America, they had a problem because you wanted to have the same cast every season. Well, that was simple. You could just morph them into, you know, the next color of spandex. But, you know, in the Japan version, they killed a few of them. They didn't do that in America. And so that was... Something that was very cool was to actually see the different versions, and now they're easily available on YouTube. You can watch the different versions of them side by side, one in American and the other one dubbed. So it's really cool to see the difference. You can really tell, you know, you know, the difference between our country and their country. It's it's the whole thing. It's fascinating to see how they softened it for us. And for a bit of nostalgia, DJ, will you please play the theme from Power Rangers? Go, go, Power Rangers! Go, go, Power Rangers! Go, go, Power Rangers! Mighty Morphin Power Rangers! say american television censors had a lot to do with it. oh yeah well, i'm just culturally um you know it, it, we see a lot of foreign films key in point barbarella that we started this little adventure with and that was a movie that was filmed overseas i i think it was france or italy that it was filmed in and nudity is more accepted there well in a culture like japan You've got people who have inherited heirlooms, and you'll have things like a sword. Well, I'm sure that it's not unheard of that Grandpa brings the, you know, family heirloom to dinner, and it's a sword. And that's got to be cool to the kids. Well, maybe it used to be, but, you know, it is as Billy is saying, they've got characters that get killed, and it's just accepted. 
imagine the American moms and dads that were complaining our version was too violent. Imagine if they watched the Japanese version, the, the ones that were shown overseas. They would be absolutely mortified. Yeah. There were some that were lighthearted and you know, gruesome by any chance, but you know, it's just different how they accepted it. I mean, I remember growing up, it was an absolute nightmare for parents on Sesame Street when Mr. Hooper died. Do we tell the kids? Do we not tell the kids? Mr. Hooper owned the local store. He was an older gentleman, and he died of natural causes. In real life. You know, he was old. So they decided to work it out on the show. Yes. And for American kids, they were absolutely worried to death that it was going to affect us negatively. Yeah, I want to interject only briefly for a moment here. Among the wonderment, I want to give you a bit of trivia. So the gentleman who was behind the production of Power Rangers, bringing it to America, was an Israeli-born gentleman named Haim, or Haim, H-I-A-I-M, Saban, S-A-B-A-N. Now, he was originally a music producer, a musician-turned-producer, and along with his business partner, Shuki Levy, created the soundtracks for a lot of 80s kids' cartoons, which included the likes of Inspector Gadget and He-Man and She-Ra. Now, in 1996, Saban Entertainment, Haim Saban's company, merged with News Corp's Fox Children's production. They formed Fox Kids, which was a predecessor to ABC Family. So ABC Family eventually got the rights to Power Rangers, which, yes, now is owned by the mouse, Mr. Disney. Oh, my God. That's right. At one time, Disney owned the Power Rangers, and then they, somebody bought them back. Right, I think. The original guy bought them back. And now Hasbro has their hand in it, too. So we got big money as well, making toys. How did Disney ever let that go? Why maybe, did they do that? Maybe it was too violent. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. You know, this did come out during a time of cartoons when when there was a big uh, uh, reaction to the typical cartoons of the 60s and early 70s. It was just about characters punched each other. <laughs> and uh, parents sort of said, you know, can we get just something a little different? Can we just get some? And then cartoons like the Smurfs and la, 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 lessons and everybody. And there's going to be no violence. And But opposed to all of this, at the same time, a kind of a super violent show called Power Rangers. So over the years, the show changed a little bit every couple of seasons. And whenever they would run into a new villain, a, a new force of evil, they figured out that their weapons, their machines, their robots, the mechas, they were not capable anymore of fending off the new evil force. And so, of course, that gave us an opportunity to change the show. And now we've got more toys to sell because those things that are a couple of years old, they're already in the toy box. We don't need to buy them. I want to ask Billy about this. <clears throat> uh, what came first? 
the toys or the cartoon, or was it simultaneous? I I think in Japan it might have been simultaneous. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that they, I mean, over there, they had a lot of tie-ins with the the toys over there. So I do believe they were hand-in-hand, basically giant commercials. Right. And this was super effective. I mean, am I, am I correct? These were super popular toys. And it was due in large part... <laughs> Because of of these TV shows. Oh yeah. The one the one thing that I mean, this is just one group of giant robots. There are multiple groups of giant robot shows. Multiple companies making them. Robotech, Voltron, you name it. And when I was a kid, I was in a bigger city, so I was able to get these in the early '80s, late '70s. So, you know, I had seen a lot of this earlier. So when a lot of these shows got imported and changed, I had already kind of seen a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It's something that you might remember, Toppy. Do you remember the giant robots that Mattel made called Shogun Warriors? Oh, they had a Godzilla. Yes. Maybe that was. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. before. That was before Transformers. Yes, there was a show. Once Voltron became popular, Magazine, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Mazinger Z, M-A-Z-I-N-G-E-R-Z, was aired in the U.S. And I remember the Mattel toy from like, you know, eight years, ten years before, and I was able to get a hold of one. But the, the show was pretty wild. I showed DJ a clip of it. They had a female (laughs) version of the robot who shot bombs. Basically, they were her boobs. Oh, my God. Hey, Tommy in the chat room is remembering the Shogun Warriors. He said he had Godzilla. (laughs) That's awesome. About as close as I could come to that is uh, around about when Voltron came out. Because I'm, you know, a little younger than our listener that this was their favorite. But I remember as a kid, I didn't get to get all the toys because I'm the youngest of four. So, you know, I got what was hand me handed down or whatever mom and dad could get me to save my money, for my, um, my allowance for. But the kid down the street had the Voltron when it first came out. And I say the Voltron because the first one of the Voltrons that came out was the higher quality one. It was actually metal. And about the time that I finally talked my folks into letting me have a Voltron, they'd switched the cheaper plastic. Womp womp. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's yes, see. that was by Panache Place. That Their range of Voltron figures, you could put the... They had action figures of the character that you could put inside them. But speaking of Voltron and the different companies that make them, one of the interesting things is there was another show called Robotech. That oh was my on. god, that's right! Now... Because they shared toys and they shared the molds, they used one of the Robotech molds for a character called Jetfire on Transformers. He was red and white, but he was a Robotech character. And luckily, they started airing Robotech in the U.S. as well. 
So you had a Transformer that looked like a Robotech character. You know, it was kind of odd how they would mix and match. And if you were a smart kid, you know, you had GoBots, you had all of these different toys, all of these different shows. But if you would actually look at, you know, the little stamp on the figure, you would see Toyi or Takara. You would see these brands made by the same company overseas. And that was one of the things that fascinated me was you got GoBots and Transformers. All the kids were like, this one's better, that one's better. They were made by the same company overseas a lot of times. Man, they must have made a hell of a lot of money. Uh, They were just... Let's do this, shall we? Uh, it's about time. Um, we may go a little extra long because there's just so much interesting things <laughs> to say. Uh, but we're still having some people joining us. Crone has joined us. And oh. she's uh, still trying to, to figure out the audio part of this. But uh, in the chat room, we have uh, Crone. Uh, that's Cronehaven, our dear friend. Uh, she knows all of us. Uh, I avid listener podcasts and then uh, Ma- uh Marin Marin Gertz no is that did I get that right e Gertz yes uh-huh. Marin Gertz is in and out um and we also have our best pal Tommy Ooh. Uh, uh, in the chat room and why don't we play 30 minute marker and what you're going to hear folks is kind of a it's really uh, an edited version of the first couple episodes of the original uh, Power Rangers, and it's got their origin story in there. So that's about 30 minutes. Everyone take a breath, and then we'll be right back. Okay. What do you think it is? It looks like a giant space dumpster. Let's open her up. Escaped and she's attacking the planet. Ay, 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 what do we do? Teleport to us five overbearing and over emotional humans. No, not that, not teenagers. That's correct, Alpha. I was afraid of that. So, who are you? Like, what are you? I am Zordon, an interdimensional being caught in a time war. And my name is Alpha 5. Excuse me, but will like, somebody come back to Earth and pick me up? Because I am totally confused. Behold, the keys to your power. Whoa, what are these? Those are your power morphers. When in danger, raise them to the sky, calling the name of your dinosaur. And you will morph into a formidable fighting force known to one and all as the Power Rangers. Morph? Metamorphosis. That means to change. As Power Rangers, you will have access to a universe of power and will command a fleet of fighting machines called Zords. I don't get it. Jason, bold and powerful, you shall command the Tyrannosaurus Dinosaur. Zachary, you are clever and brave. You shall command the Mastodon Dinosaur. Kimberly, graceful and smart, the Pterodactyl Dinosaur shall be yours. Billy, Patient and wise, 
You shall command the powerful Triceratops Dinosaur. Streamy, fearless and agile, the saber-toothed tiger dinosaur will be under your command. Zordon said these power morphers would give us power. Let's do it! Mastodon! Pterodactyl! Triceratops! Over the years, as the uh, the the weapons and the vehicles changed, they had a bunch of different themes. Now, the original Zords is what they called the vehicles. They were kind of dinosaur-themed. Uh, the Red Ranger had Tyrannosaurus Rex. You also had the prehistoric elephant, the Mastodon. You had a Triceratops, a Sabertooth Tiger, and a Pterodactyl, and the uh, Zords just kept changing as the villain they fought uh, came mm-hmm. along. You had a, a in another season. You had a dragon. You had a lion, a unicorn, a griffin, and then you had a firebird, tie and a tiger, and then uh, oh, just one more example. They had a falcon, uh, and then for some reason they had an ape. <laughs> A bear, a frog, and a wolf. So I guess it might have been time-related. Less less themes as the show went on. But uh, anyways, I turn the microphone back to you. Uh, let me just interject briefly. Uh, Japanese culture there. You know, here in the U.S., we kind of grew up uh, with the comic books about superheroes. They became popular at the beginning of the 60s. Uh, they were popular during world war ii uh during the 1950s they kind of vanished but uh we grew up generally speaking someone my age with uh, the idea of a superhero in long johns you know with a cape fighting the evils of justice well in japanese uh more than superheroes in long johns they had giant monsters they love <laughs> They're giant monsters. And a lot of this, everything we've talked about, the Transformers, the, I don't know what we've mentioned so far. It's all about the giant monsters but, and and robots. Oh, my God. They love the robots. And uh, one final thing I'll just say, based on the audio we heard, is God damn, was this a noisy show. <laughs> Holy Jesus. It's it like to drive you nuts. Now, as a kid, I'm sure I would have been all over this. Totally missed. But right now, my age, I listened to like five minutes of this and I just want to shoot myself. Right <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, in the, in the early days of the show, there certainly was more action. And if you blinked, the episode was over. Later on, they got a little bit more involved with the stories. It was sort of like an after school special because, of course, you had Ugh. teenagers and they had to have their own backstories. Yeah, that was, I think, the heavy U.S. influence. But the goddamn noise level on the show was off the charts. The music, the sound effect, uh, the banter. Uh, it was an assault on my ears. That's all I could say. The history of animation you were talking about there, Toppy, uh, one of the things that I read was in the in the heyday, if you will, in the 60s, there was a Japanese uh, comic called Astro Boy, and that yes, was one of the first animated films that came to America. Right, and the point is, uh, these Japanese imports, not a new thing. Going back to the early 60s and even the late 50s, Astro Boy was early. Marine Boy might have been the first. I'm not sure. Uh, there were a lot of Japanese imp animated imports. These were all animated. And they're one beautiful style that in the beginning was black and white. These are gorgeous works of art. These cartoons. Gigantor. Need I say less? <laughs> Uh, there were many others that came later. Speed Race being one of my favorites. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, Hubby might be able to correct me on this, um, but I think that Toei Toy or Toye um, that did the Power Rangers as well as Voltron was maybe also responsible for Godzilla or Gojira. I don't recall entirely, though. They may have had rights to. Now, if uh, if some of you have watched, unless we have uh, any comments here, I was going to re um, move on to the part of our show that I call What's on Your Snack Tray. So this yeah. is where we talk about things that are kind of like the Power Rangers that you might like also. Now, I'll start us off. I was an 80s kid, kind of a late 80s kid. And as we mentioned, Toy um, was also responsible for Voltron. I would certainly, if you are of a younger generation and Power Rangers was your thing, if you'd like to, you know, um, see something you haven't watched before and you enjoyed Power Rangers, I would say definitely check out Voltron because it has been reborn. In fact, Netflix has its new Voltron series that has just gone into its second season. No kidding. And then there was a short-lived series that was produced by the folks that brought you Power Rangers, the Savon Entertainment folks. And it was sort of a knockoff uh, back in the 80s. The, the shoot-em-up games, Laser Tag, was kind of popular, and really no one company held the trademark on that. There was a short-lived series called Photon, and a lot of those episodes, which there was only a dozen or so, it only lasted one season, was basically people playing cowboys and Indians with uh, music videos. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then um, there was Inspector Gadget, which the music was done by Mr. Saban. So, honey, do you have a recommendation for something else someone might want to watch if they like Power Rangers? 
There is an actual movie that just came out a few years ago called Pacific Rim. Oh my God! Yes, I just well, not just, but I saw it, and it's giant robots fighting each other. It's rather well done. Nothing like big giant monsters and then big giant robots. That's why I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. destroying city. That's something I gotta say too. I mean, Pacific Rim is cool. You see whole cities destroyed, and you see everything. And you know they're cardboard sets, but you know it still looks good. Pacific Rim looks amazing. Mm-hmm. How many of the citizens of Angel Grove perished in Power Ranger? Because sure. there were buildings and ha- everything was getting destroyed. There, there had to be mass death on that show. They didn't exactly uh, dwell on that, did they? But there was massive destruction. <laughs> now, if we're going to talk about movies with big robots, I want to give an honorable mention here. Now, um, Australian uh, attractive gentleman uh, Hugh Jackman, who was famous <laughs> yeah. for the X-Men movies, did a movie in 2015 called Chappie. And that involved a big robot. And it was actually a pretty good movie. It was sort of a sleeper because it wasn't a box office smash. Go figure. I liked it. And uh, it, sure. 2015 Chappie. And what say you, Mr. Smelly? What can you offer our listeners? What do you think would be good if you're in the mood for Power Rangers? Well, I'll tell you. I, I would go back to some of the original sources, like I've already mentioned. Uh, Power Rangers, unfortunately, came at a time when I felt like an adult, and I was aware of it, but I wouldn't watch it, because to me, it seemed like a kid show. So, I I just wasn't in tune with it. But going back, I would encourage listeners to revisit some of those old Japanese imports, and they're mainly cartoons, and some of them are in black and white. Speed Racer, Himba, the White Lion, uh, Gigantor, Marine Boy, Astro Boy. They have a whole gestalt. Unlike anything America has offered. And they are worth everything uh, to look in on. And also... Uh, for heaven's sakes, go and look at the original black and white Godzilla for God's and get into the whole giant monster thing uh, in the movie, which was a huge deal. Still is. And uh, yeah, uh, we're talking great fun with all of that stuff that's still going on, I guess, with uh, Power Rangers today. Excellent. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in this evening and joining us in the chat room. And I want to thank Hubby Billy for dropping by and sitting with us in the balcony here. I do, too. Well, thank you. Thanks again for having me. Billy, your enthusiasm and excitement over this topic got me all excited here and uh, i feel like i could just keep talking for another two hours but (laughs) i guess i guess we should stop 
Well, Gritty is flicking the lights, so that's the signal. Oh, that... wow. <laughs> on, she's gonna I miss her. She's gonna miss our her bus if we're not. Uh, yeah. on it. So okay, well we're gonna set you up for the next show here, folks. Uh, hang tight one sec here. Let me dig these out. Yeah, you got the magic coins. here next all right next time we meet up will be friday may 3rd same place same time 9 p.m eastern we're going to be talking about a late 60s comedy spoof starring miss doris day that you'll hear in the background here and i love it already (laughs) and a richard harris who some of you may know as the original originator of the role of dumbledore in the harry potter series the headmaster of the school this is a film called caprice and it co-stars mr ray walston from my favorite martian and Edward Mulher from Knight Rider of 80s fame. Oh my god, this has got all kinds of tangled webs. It certainly does, and I want to give a nod to a page in podcasting history because I was inspired to see this by none other than the podcasting drag queen hostess with the mostest, Miss Wanda Wisdom. Uh, otherwise known as her man half, Mr. Bradley Trainer, who God bless her soul. <laughs> and you can listen to Bradley these days on My Talk 107, Minneapolis's show, which is called Colleen and Bradley. It's a pop culture daily talk show over there. So, well, thank you all for joining us, and uh, we will see you in two weeks. Say goodnight, Gracie. Oh, good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our program is live every other Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go to univazpods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Join our Facebook group or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net. Okay, I am stopping the stream.